Hey guys, Mike here. Before we begin tonight, I thought I'd add in a few announcements since we actually forgot to mention them in the episode itself. And they're of the congratulatory variety. First of all, congratulations to Angela. Her Kickstarter for her comic work, The Moonstone Diadem, has surpassed $11,000. If you haven't given a pledge yet to this, we'll put up a link in the notes. Or check out the links in the previous episodes, too. The Kickstarter is set to end this Thursday, September 24th, at noon Eastern Time. The second one is even bigger. Congratulations to Matthew Austin, James's younger brother, who, if longtime listeners remember, once appeared on the show way back in the version one era. He will be getting married Friday evening, September 25th. James has assured me that all health and safety precautions have been taken and that the wedding itself will be a modest affair, consisting of the ceremony and a brief reception where only a few drinks and cake will be served with only a few socially distanced guests. So congratulations in advance to Matthew and Cheryl. Anyway, I gotta get back to Yakuza Kiwami. I'm actually in the finale here. And for sure we'll talk about all of this next time. As for the episode... One test, please. James? Testing, testing, and I see all the lines. Kevin? Guys? Thank you, Mo. Kevin? I caramba. And the audio program begins... I'll try that again. And the audio program begins now... Ah! <laughs> expressed in the following are those of its participants and do not necessarily reflect those of the producers and the Six Talk Podcast Network. Also, the following contains mature material and mild language, which may not be suitable for all audiences. Discretion is advised. And the audio program now begins for this Friday night, September 18th, 2020. This is episode 24 of the Anime Roundtable version 2. Once again, if you'd like to get in contact with us or, or inform us of your existence, here's how you can get in touch with us. AnimeRoundtable at gmail.com is our email address. At AnimeRoundtable on Twitter and Instagram. AnimeRoundtable.com is our website. You can go there for show notes and past episodes. And we'll mention the Discord, even though no one is ever there. I will say, though, a simple way to remember how to contact us, it's just Anime Roundtable. That's all you really need to remember. Mike Nicholas in the western tip of Toronto at the Six Point Studios, James Austin, Kevin Ng, and Mohamed Shamarki in the western suburbs of Toronto, not at the Six Point Studios. Gentlemen, welcome back, James. So, just quickly, since you weren't with us last week and had to watch the Raptors season end with your own very eyes, I just heard it on the radio. Any thoughts? 
They thought. They thought really hard, and that's what counted. It wasn't a blowout. Their hearts were there. They played like champs. And if we were going to end the season, that was one way to end it, and we could stand proud and stuff like that. But the offseason is going to be tough for them to figure out who we want to re-sign and who we want to add for the pieces. And hopefully Siakam can learn from his disappointments in the bubble, and he'll come back stronger like he has before. People forget. People keep forgetting that he's twenty five years old. He has remember he didn't start playing basketball till he was like what his late teens or some like very late. So it's oh, incredible really? how much skill he has because he was more of a soccer player before. Like oh. he hadn't played really that much basketball when the Raptors drafted him. He was just mm-hmm. a raw talent. So he's really blossomed. Uh, it's worth noting Pascal Siakam made I think second team NBA. This year, so he, and then we saw what happened to the Clippers, right, with Kawhi well, Leonard. I was so about to say, tough. you know, Ooh, yeah. I was about to say, then, like, yeah, the Raptors are gone after the second round, but I think people respected how they how they uh, fought until the end. But if you want somebody who uh, teams that really had a big issue, Milwaukee Bucks, you can add. Because they were dumped pretty badly, and nobody expected that. L.A. Clippers, much the same. They were expected to contend right from the start, pretty much. But they had, at at times, inconsistencies. And then another crash out in the second round. For reference, in the history of, of that franchise, the Clippers, or the, or the Buffalo Braves, as they were also known as, they had never gotten past the second round throughout the entire history of that franchise. It's a curse, Mike. It's a curse. Well, yes. If you wanted somebody who really reveled in at least in the misfortunes of the LA Clippers this week, you should have checked out Tim and Sid. <laughs> that was true. on Wednesday. Oh boy! That uh, if you are if you keep up with sports talk radio here in Canada. The first, I would say, 20 minutes of Tim and Sid on Wednesday was absolutely hilarious. If anybody saw that, I don't know if either any of you three heard or saw that. But yeah, no, it was good. And I'm sure it's still up somewhere on Sportsnet or on uh, their socials, probably. It's Clips. a podcast. They put it up in podcast form as well. And Since they do it want, on radio too. So it's great. It was whole, it was actually pretty funny, but they gave you something to think about. Okay, looking at our menu tonight, there's a lot of stuff we could potentially talk about, so maybe we should get right to it. I didn't write up a real introduction for this. I just put a note that said Discotech presentation and Crunchyroll Expo. There's we haven't gotten around to talking anything about the Crunchyroll Expo, which was uh, refresh my memory, James. When was it? Uh, it was during, uh, not last weekend, but the weekend before that. The thing, though, is I guess you could say, Mike, it's just the continual parade of virtual conventions and talk I've we've lost... had, right? Yes. It's one of those, now I'm online conventioned out. Not to say I was really in it, but I'm wondering if we re- reached peak virtual convention. And there was an article in the Japan Times talking about that and stuff like that, saying, 
people are zoomed down and tired of you know what i mean being on their computer and doing it it's yeah it's uh, it's essentially another symptom of being zoomed out like you said mm-hmm. so i think uh, a little bit more of note this week was discotheques little presentation on monday night uh, which one do you want to start with, James? Do you want to start with Crunchyroll or do you want to start with Discotech? I was thinking we'll start with Crunchyroll because we'll start in chronological order. And there was a lot that came out of Discotech and it'll tie in nicely to, as you said, the discussion you and Kevin had uh, last week. Because a lot of the stuff they do uh, is older stuff and they rescue shows. So it makes you think, am I going to get this? And if I have DVDs, uh, do I want to part with them and how do I part with them? We'll get to that in a couple minutes, and I'll get uh, your thoughts on that. Okay, so where do you want to go with the Crunchyroll stuff? Well, I guess one we'll thing just... or a couple things that got your attention from from the latest Crunchyroll run. I'd say of the two uh, big things, uh, we have uh, Crunchyroll and Sentai announcing uh, their uh, partnership uh, for home video and stuff like that. So we have them announcing that Food Wars, uh, the fourth plate is going to be uh, released through Sentai. Now, they had sub-licensed Season 3 through Crunchyroll, but they also announced Ascendance of the Bookworm as a part of this deal, World Trigger as a part of this deal, and as well, uh, Grand Bellum, which we had talked about before, was kind of the precursor giving us a hint that this deal had happened because they said that was a part of it, and it's going to be sub-only, and it's going to be sub and dub because some of them, like Bookworm, for example, has already been dubbed uh, in L.A., for Crunchyroll, that one I believe was done by Zoom. They also use uh, Studioopolis, but it'll be interesting to see where this goes forward because maybe they'll use uh, Houston to dub a few things and maybe go into the back catalog for some other tells like people were suggesting uh, Laidback Camp because a lot of people love that, but we'll see how that goes. And the other thing is they may still do some stuff with uh, Discotech, of course. And just to say quickly on the Discotech panel, at the end, they did announce the second season of Konosuba was coming through them next year. So it's not like it's all exclusive through Sentai, just like they did with Funimation before, of course. Because remember, when they went to Funimation, it was all exclusive through them. Yeah, this is interesting. Crunchyroll is still in the partnership game of some sort. It's interesting, too, when you think about it, too. It could be three places they could be releasing. You have Discotech, you have Sentai now, but you still have Funimation because there's still holdovers from that Crunchyroll Funimation partnership that may have further seasons. And I'm guessing since they were licensing them together, they would release them still together. Like free? Yeah. The other one I was thinking of that we just wonder what's going to happen with it is... Um, Saga of Tanya the Evil. Oh, the movie. Oh, for the movie. Years, I'm guessing. Yeah, the movie is the question mark because it's up on Crunchyroll. It's still sub only uh, there. We haven't seen or hide nor hair of a dub, and we haven't heard if it's going to get a physical release through uh, Funimation and stuff like that because that one was, I think, one that they did together. And there's, as you said, free and a few others. Okay. There isn't too much for me, like, as I said, I never really kept up with the Crunchyroll announcements. It's just, like, when we talk about, when we talk about Sentai Filmworks and that partnership, I'm wondering what this does for Sentai. 
it probably saves them because as we kept on talking for the past few shows, like their licenses were dwindling and people are like, well, what are you going to release? Because you've been going back to redub ones that you hadn't dubbed or doing these re-releases of previous shows and steelbooks and stuff like that. And you can only resell things so many times, right? So you hey, gotta have some new that's that they've done that before. <laughs> Back oh, when they were continual, right, Kevin? Like you can't just keep on doing it every three years or oh, so. They, you know what I mean? They did that during their barren days at ADV, right before they had to change their name and you know and all that stuff. But as we know too, it, as we know too, it isn't like they're doing like they do give a bit of a discount, but it's not like they're doing the budget line of Funimation, right? Where it's like twenty dollars or thirty dollars or something like that, where it's like they're just trying to get them out the door, right? So that's the other thing. Yeah. Well, it's well, I guess we can upgrade their condition. Remember, we kept saying they were on life support in those past episodes. Now we can just maybe upgrade it to serious condition. <laughs> it's kind of funny when you say that, Mike, because off topic uh the past few weeks basically media blasters was basically dead and now we can see some life in the corpse because i think it's john cerebella who's posting on their facebook page but they're posting that they're going to start releasing some blu-rays of some of their older shows and i think one of the ones that caught my eye on that was roman uh, fighter miki they were going to do a blu-ray of that and only announced that yep they still have that so there's some people saying oh, I forgot that they still have the license for that. So, But that one was a one that was a fun series from not, well, I guess we have to say two decades ago now since we're now in the next decade, right? Mm-hmm. But that was a fun one. It kind of has this Looney Tunes type um, appeal and that type of comedy. You know what I mean? So, Okay. Well, I have to, as I said, uh, I have to get myself a little bit more familiar with these titles. Mm-hmm. Well, didn't they just announce another title a little while ago, too? Like Ooh, some random thing from the mid-2000s. They've, they've announced quite a... Was that Shrine Maiden? Because I know they announced Shrine Maiden or something like that. I forget what it, the full title is called. Shrine of the Morning Mist? Shrine Maiden of the Mist, I think it's called. Shrine of the Morning Mist? Something like that. But they have... They've yeah, had a it's, few Shrine the morning. it's Shrine of the Morning Mist. High School Girls is another one they announced okay. as well. Oh, I remember that show. That show was cute. Yeah, that, that was a show fun was one. a thing back then. Actually, like it, it had it had a bit of a quite a bit of a following mm-hmm. when it originally. Yeah, yeah. I I didn't read the manga, but I did end up watching the anime. Yeah, it's a cute little show. Mm-hmm. Wow. I'm guessing no, my manga would be worth a lot, right, uh, Kevin? Because it was the DR Master was the one that yeah. released it back in the day for the manga, and it was a fun one to read. They released it all, so. Yeah, they I'm did. That means more value. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> but uh, thinking about it, just to finish it off uh, for that one, they also made mention of a, one more thing we'll mention from Right Stuff announced at Crunchyroll, which is the big one of interspecies uh, reviewers. And that was a very interesting announcement, considering that uh, Funimation just gave up on it. And hmm. uh, they're going to release it next year, 2021, but they're going to release it, release right it stuff, not on their regular line, but on their hentai line, on the Critical Mass label. Which they hadn't used for- in quite a while. 
Well, no, they've used it. They've like uh, Kitty. They've just been doing re-releases on their hentai label because no one wants to license stuff out. Of course. Were they still putting out? I, I swear that they have not put out anything in that label in like two years. Nope, they've been doing four. re-releases and they've started some Blu-rays too. Oh, because yeah, we, I know we talked about this privately, or some of us did. That there's just been a serious lack of hentai anime coming out in North America, and we probably know the reason why, but. Called the yeah, it's kind of reverse importation because they have uh, certain standards they have to uphold, and uh, if you're in the same Blu-ray region, I'm sure they would rather have the uncensored version. Doesn't affect manga, though. No, but you brought up an interesting point in that sense, Mr. Austin, because the reverse importation thing was an issue years ago, too. So to say now that it's same region that Japan and North America would be in the same region would probably put that into even bigger focus now. But it was interesting. You brought up that point. Yeah, there's a few things, but probably the internet's the biggest culprit, of course, because it's like, why should I pay for porn when I can get it for free? But then of course you get all that malware. So guess what? You're infected now. Hmm. Well, that's no why problem. you have a dedicated computer just for porn. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for informing us, Kevin. Well, um, uh, thanks for the idea, Kevin. You're welcome. <laughs> but uh, thinking back to interspecies reviewers, uh, it is on the hentai uh, line, so obviously it's going to be uncensored. Everything's going to be there, even though it technically is, shouldn't really need to be released on that line. Basically, some of the stuff uh, Sentai has released recently uh, of a similar vein has released on their main line with no problems and stuff like that. I think of Domestic Girlfriend, I think of Peter Grill, and I think of uh, Why the Hell Are You Here, uh, Teacher, is another one. And they've had no <laughs> Oh, that one, yeah. Yep, they've had no problems releasing them and stuff like that on their regular line. Probably they might have even tried to uh, get uh, that one as well, and they would have just released it regular. But I could see why they probably did go that way. It's like giving all the uh, stigma, I guess, or the press it got, of course. Well, by putting Mm -hmm. it in critical mass, I can see that as drawing attention to the series when it otherwise may not have. And it also draws attention to the critical mass label, which can't hurt as well, right? In case someone wants to dabble. You never know. Well, do you think it could be a chance for the critical mass label to be revived a little bit? Yeah. Is that what you're getting at? I guess, you could, yeah. You could, but I, I think they said it was just the opportunity arose, so Sean Kleckner said, you know what, I'll take it and I'll do it for the fans and stuff like that because a lot of people thought well I guess this is never going to come out again because it just it happened what happened happened right like Mm -hmm. the whole rigmarole okay right so that's there and then the the other news I guess out of right stuff uh, thinking about quickly was uh, Tyler's coming to Blu-ray too yeah and they're doing an interesting well they're going to do a regular release later on but basically they're not doing a kickstarter but they're doing a pre-order blitz and stuff like that of a more prestige edition a regular one or one with an autograph of the creator who 
basically has never done that many autographs before. And it's like yeah, you get it's... prestige release and you get the prestige art book, kind of like uh, the Utena release they did, that prestige release. Ah. Uh, those Utena box sets are so nice. Well, I never, I, guess, I can't say I totally kept up with that version of it when Utena was re released by Right Stuff. It was the one where the first DVD boxes were gorgeous, and then the anniversary Blu ray release was even better. Hmm. I I purposely bought a used, well not a, I purposely bought an open copy so that I wouldn't have to open my sealed copy. <laughs> I wonder if Angela knows about that actually. That's the thing. Hmm. Yeah, because basically, obviously, now it's out of print and stuff like that, and they let people know before they did uh, go out of print. But that was the start of them doing those art books, and they did it again. Like the art book with Aria was gorgeous. I'm sure the one with Emma is going to be gorgeous when that comes out. And I'm sure this one for Tyler will be great too, because I know we all know Sean Kleitner really loves Tyler. He keeps on no, saying that, it's I was his about favorite You kind of hit an interesting point. Can you name a series so tied to write stuff than Captain Tyler? Like there's series that define companies. Funimation to some degree, it was Dragon Ball. Oh, not to some degree. It, it was Dragon Ball. <laughs> Thank you. I'm trying to be nice here. Uh, <laughs> ADV, what would have been ADV's defining series? Evangelion, before they lost it? Yep, Evangelion, yeah. That's what I said. Mm -hmm. um, Media Blasters. Early Kenshin. I was thinking <laughs> either Kenshin or Berserk. Yeah, I'd huh? say Berserk, actually. If I was to be serious. Well, I'm only half-joking with Overfiend, but uh, yeah, Berserk. Well, Central Park, Central Park, you could have said Overfiend, right? And La Blue Girl. But, <laughs> and, and like when it comes to, yeah, when it came to Media Blasters, I would have said Kenshin because I know that that was so good to them at the time. And they but got it on Cartoon it. Network too, of course. So mm -hmm. it, it was really a long tail for them. And they did those gorgeous boxes. I remember. I Did you have those versions, Mike? The one with the, they came in sleeves and they were in a box and stuff like oh, a bento box. Yeah, and, and I bastardized them. I bastardized them. I remember that story, Mike. I can't believe you. Oh, How well. could you? <laughs> well, <laughs> it's, it's, it's another story altogether. Well, I thought the sleeves was a mistake for starters. Mm. But that's just because mm -hmm. that, that could have damaged the ball. The that that has the potential to damage the discs themselves. But that's my opinion, and that's probably why this set will always be here. Okay, let's go through the run of old, older companies again. So, right stuff. Arguably, that title is Tyler, right? So, yep. yeah, like one a, a title that define that is so tied to the company that released it. It's not even funny. It's just dead serious, right? Tyler is it for right stuff. And that's, well, as you said, for Kleckner, that might be a passion project. But it has a following. It has a very old school following. I don't know how it will go with more recent fans now. But... It was a thing. Oh, then. I'm sure. I'm sure a lot of people are just going to rebuy it. Oh yeah. Well, 
I, oh, I'll man. probably rebuy it. <laughs> I, I had the original DVDs for that. Still, yeah, I had I've the, I had the, one, so I had the DVD re-release. I had the remastered DVDs at the time. Oh, yeah. Yes. I was about to say, okay, uh, on, going back on the topic of shows that defined a company, Animigo, since, but even though they're not really in the game anymore, what would have been what would have been that title for Animigo? Ursa Yatsura? <laughs> Probably. I mean, yeah, I was I'm thinking I'm, uh, you're Ursa Yatsura, but I feel like Bubblegum Crush could be there, and uh, so could Bubblegum uh, Crisis. Yeah, you could put that. You could put an argument more for Bubblegum Crisis, actually. Yeah, Bubblegum Crisis. I meant to say, I was just thinking the wrong. Yeah, actually, that's an argument. So, mm-hmm. I know oh we God, could say Kimigori Orange Road, but probably not. But I think yeah, I, I, Bubblegum I, I, Crisis might. Yeah, and I'm saying this as a big core fan, obviously. So we can. But keep they going. had a lot of Sonata stuff. Remember, so. Mm-hmm. So we can keep going down that list a little bit. And I'm sure we know for Viz and for what used to be Bandai, what those would have been. Or what they are. Oh, you might. Um, yeah, Gundam, obviously. I'm thinking Gundam for Bandai. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Viz, Viz of about course, the Gundam? Shonen Jump stuff like Naruto and then Death Note and it goes I on. think, yeah, just <laughs> straight up Naruto. And I guess you could say Pokemon. Anything for Genion or Pioneer you want to say since we're digging up the old companies? Don't you more you? I could see that for that time period. It's like there's so many other ones, but I'm, then I'm, I'm like probably not because I like I I still think of the first ones I bought when I think of Read or Die and I think of um, Gungrave. Mm-hmm. I feel like Samurai Shampoo as well. Yeah, it could be another one you could think of. Yeah, I sort of thought that too. But Trigun probably would be the best one to pick. Trigun. Well, as I said, just a company, uh, like, as I said, a title that so identifies with the company, the North American company that licensed it. So maybe it's a, like, to me, it's Tenchi, but, you know, that could be a debate, I suppose. Well, on the topic of possible re releases, resuscitation of old school stuff, or do we want to say anything else on the Crunchyroll side? There's only two more. And, it kind of actually is ironic. It could be a resuscitation for both of them. Remember I mentioned to you guys Bartender coming in January from uh, Anime Limited through Shelf Factory. And yes. That more, was very yeah. interesting because it's more stuff coming out from them. And Bartender is a very old show. So it'll be interesting to see how that does. And maybe hopefully that means that other show we talked about, Planetus, which Anime Limited got, Maybe they have it for North America too, because that's one that's begging to be released here, I think, by many people. Well, that reminds me, I need to pick up the manga at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you were talking about that. Because, uh, you know, you know, with Dark Horse. <laughs> Anything can happen. Okay. Well, looking at your emails from this week, James. Violet Evergarden. Yeah, Violet Evergarden. That one was the one, because remember, we've talked about Netflix many times. And that's one where, like, well, is it going to get a physical release? And it came out in Australia from Madman, but Funimation announced it uh, earlier in the week. They actually solicited the TV series and the special for December, and they're giving it a very nice release uh, with a premium box that I think for the TV series, which will fit both the special and the TV series, and it's similar to Japan. So that's very nice to see that all coming out. It's Kind of interesting they did the week that the final movie is coming out uh, in Japan. So hopefully that means 
it'll hopefully get out on a physical release at some point too but it'll probably be on netflix first just like the others mm-hmm. and well it's, it also evokes memories of the of kyoto animation too yeah i know because that was i think a passion one for them as well because i know i feel like the original light novel was kind of through them through one of their contests and they really loved it and you could see it in the animation and stuff like that i think the other thing people said to watch, I'm not sure how it's going to go, but they were saying the Australian release, maybe it'll be the same for us. They were using, they were saying they calling it the TV version or the version that was streamed on Netflix and that there was a Blu-ray, you know how they do the Blu-ray release and they add more stuff to it. They said that that wasn't included in the Australian release. So who knows if it would be included in ours because obviously they might have to do a few things dub wise or who knows what, right? Yeah. That'll be interesting. But that's the interesting thing about streaming is like once they stream and they do those simul dubs and the dubs for streaming, do they want to go back and do it again? Because Crunchyroll and Netflix, it's not like they go and add that home video version. Only Funimation has done that really, but that's because they're physical and streaming, right? So. That's interesting, and once again, it comes back to Crunchyroll having all those all those agreements. Should they want to be putting stuff out on home media? Yeah, it makes you wonder what's going to be on the disc when you get it, right? Sometimes because sometimes they don't really tell you. Like the Violet Evergarden, for example, they had a one episode uh, extra special in the TV series. And they made no mention of it until people kept asking them. I think earlier in the week, they made a Twitter comment saying yes it's there and then they actually change their blog post to say yes it is there so you never know with these things right it's interesting but maybe one day we'll see some other stuff from netflix and amazon uh, get out uh, from either sentai funimation or others because there's still some big fish to be had it's like i'm still hoping for little witch academia from netflix and i'm still hoping for vinland saga from oh, yeah. uh, amazon mm-hmm. i want banana fish Yes, I know a lot of people do too, right? Uh. Well, let's move on then. I guess it's time to move on because we, we, we want to, you know, still lots of stuff to do. And I think we're almost at 30 minutes now. Well, we're not uh, close to discotheque time, as they say. It's Ooh, like, so how long they went? Well, and I, I, and I want to keep the, the discotheque stuff a little bit short too. But boy, Monday night was interesting for them. Because of all the announcements they made, and and the and they had a fun start too. They had some technical difficulties, but they went empowered for it, and everyone had good fun with it too. Oh, uh, well, that's sort of how it works with them. Justin Savikas, Mike Mike Tool, and Brady Hartel. Brady Hartel. They were they were constantly hinting at stuff that they uh, that they have some really worthwhile stuff to announce, and it was quite a list of what they ultimately announced. So I'll go through the. I'll just go through any of the titles that uh, are listed that I have here. Uh, Rosa Versailles, Hajime no Ippo, Black Heaven, the Battle Athletes, OAV, and TV series, two Lupin specials, Geno Cyber. Actually, one of them was a special Tokyo Crisis. The other was they relicensed uh, the woman called Fujiko Mine, which was originally with Funimation. Okay. You know, well, everything was with somewhere before, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Tokyo I... Crisis was Funimation too, but as mm-hmm. we know, there's so many Lupin things, right? 
yeah, and they've spread out. Uh, Project Echo, uh, Ninja Shenji Topi Topikage, Ninja Robots, or Ninja Robots, better known as um, some case closed stuff. I, l there is a bit of a list: Submarine Super Ninety Nine, Simple Gear G, Devilman Lady. That's a title I recognize. Konosuba. And then, did we say Geno Cyber? I can't even remember. Yes, yes, I did mention Geno Cyber and all this. And this also nicely ties into some of what Kevin and I and Mohammed all mentioned last week in our little master class, or in Kevin's master class in the Digest. Well, I wouldn't say master class, but it's a good start. I referred to it as a master. Well, it's not master class it's more like intro class you know, when you see something billed as a master class on the internet really it's just an overview or a something an intro of something right yeah like, get a good view of it and you'll learn something still worthwhile but if you want to but uh, with an invitation to dive even deeper that's that's the internet version. That's the way uh, I, I perceive an internet version of a master class, right? Okay, I could be wrong. A anyway, but still, a tie. Everything that happened in that discotheque presentation, and I'm not gonna. I I I, I almost said panel, but the, but it was just them on Monday. It's forced a few hands in relation to what we talked about last Friday. As I have alluded to, that I have quite the archive. And in that archive was the Genion release of Hajime no Ippo, or as it was called by them, Fighting Spirit. And that was released over two mini box sets. And so that's a lot cheaper than what some of us paid when we paid in singles, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin and I are discussing what to possibly do with that, and Kevin's doing some, uh, trying something for me, so I appreciate it. You're welcome. And I know for other people, maybe the other title of note that might put some people in a similar position is Rose of Versailles. Actually, I'll get to Rose of Versailles in a second. I'm just gonna, I'm just looking down these this list again and titles that well, stuck thinking, out. Thinking about Mike while you're looking at that. Rose of Versailles and Hajime Nyoipo, both of them are 2021, they said. So, mm -hmm. Kevin, thinking about from that perspective, does that give the resellers time to get a better price or no? Does it matter if you have yeah. a date or not or a timeline? Yeah, because you will always have people who don't know that it will be re-released. Then somebody who is still a collector out there who... I sold Paranoid Agent uh, back in March or in April mm -hmm. because I yeah. knew it was going to come out this fall. I sold my Maze on Ikoku manga set, like the, the first unflipped release that Viz put out because they were it was coming out with a new Omnibus edition with a, the new translation, which came out this week, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And I could go on and on, but... Uh, very rarely did I not lose out. I usually I would at least recoup my what I paid for it. Okay, can't say that for one or two titles that I had in the uh, Nomenoichi, but 
that's another story. I'm looking through this these uh, this list of titles, at least ones that stuck out to me because I I watched these series back in the day. There's Project Echo. Uh, Project well, Echo actually is a big one, Mike, because you yeah, saw I mean, what they're doing for the Blu-ray, right? That's a legendary series. In many because respects. they have no materials, so basically, yeah, how they're they, getting it to Blu-ray is they're using the Domesday duplicator, which means they're taking the old Echo laser discs. And it's going through that device, basically restream it through that to get it to, to Blu-ray. And isn't there more than one? They're using more than one copy of the Blu-ray discs, too, to do that, if I'm correct. not mistaken. They're correct. They're trying to get the letterbox and the full screen copies. They're doing both. They're not doing one or the other. So they're doing it all, which is crazy. Yeah, they, so this one will be, this, so ACO will be, sounds like it'll be quite a project. Yeah, and they had to find More someone strange. with that Domesday device because it's not like they're out there on the internet. Like, they're very few and far between. You, It's kind of like you had to go onto a message board and know someone and then put it together yourself and stuff like that. So they found it through, I guess, friends or acquaintances to mm -hmm. find one of them and to get all that material and then get mm -hmm. it through there so that it can get to Justin for that final process of the upscale, right? So since the materials yeah, aren't there... To remember, like that was like way back then, the original Echo. That was like US Manga Corps, which was a Central Park Media thing. Yep. At the yep. And the crazy thing is, if there was no Laserdisc uh, Western release, then who knows? Maybe they wouldn't have been able to do it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or if they did, maybe it would just be Japanese. Uh, only with subtitles or who knows, right? I, it's like, I don't know how it works exactly, but maybe it is fine because you're just doing it for the pictures and stuff like that and you work the audio differently. Right. I mean, as I said, that one brings back good memories from like when I was much younger mm -hmm. in the late 80s. I, because I would have seen this within a couple of years of, of its original release, like in the early late 80s, early 90s. But I remember, I do remember watching it. Black Heaven, bat and the bat and I only saw the Battle Athletes Victory TV series, but I do have memories of those as well. That was early pioneer too for mm -hmm. Battle Athletes because they said this one will look way better, obviously, than what it was, and I think it's a Blu-ray SD. But they said there were certain things they had to do because I guess originally it didn't have like the uh, next episodes and stuff like that. And there oh, was no, something with I, the opening and ending. You, actually, yes, I will give you memories of of at least the. Uh, DVD release of Battle Athlete Victory, it was just, you'd only see the opening sequence way at the beginning of the four episodes, and then they put the credits at the very end of the fourth episode off the, on the disc. So you yeah, didn't so they had to redo that, Justin Savica said, because of them doing it that way, and it must have been one of their first DVDs, you know what I mean? Because no yeah, one knew was, what they were doing, right, back then. Right. And it was a case of, I think, because the presentations were originally on videotape, and they just basically used the timeline of the videotape so to save to save tape to save material and i think Literally. as well it was even more expensive than what dvds became because it wasn't like four episodes on disc it was like maybe two episodes on a disc and it was like either 2499 american or 2999 american so it was very expensive because mm -hmm. i think they were still figuring out pricing and how many things to put on a disc it was kind of the novel idea of dub and sub on the same disc almost i feel like mm -hmm. i remember that and for reference that was one of the victims of the nomi 
experience three years ago for me. Black Heaven was a, I don't know what to say about that. Like what, what I could substantially say about Black Heaven. It was odd. It was charming. Trying to remember some of the uh, some of the seiyuu who were in it. Oh yeah, Ayako Kawasumi, Atsuko Enomoto. I think that was one of their early starring roles. They they were in that. I mean, Neil can say more about this, so we should ask him about that when he comes back on. Because I know I knew he liked the series at the time. But that that brings back good memories as well. You know, rock music saving the world, almost Bill and Tedish, but in a different way. Okay. Well, I guess uh, the other thing I'll mention is going back to Rosa Versailles. In light of those announcements, obviously, Right Stuff recently recently had the license to the Rosa Versailles DVD in North America or in English-speaking North America. There was a French release as well. How do I know this? I talked with both Angela and Squirrely within the last day or so about the release. And would they consider getting these new releases? And this kind of comes, kind of, uh, comes back one more time to our discussion on Friday, Kevin. Would they want to do that? Would they want to get these new releases? Squirrely, for their part, said they have the French, uh, a French language release, or I guess it had French subtitles or whatever, a French translation, and, and that they didn't get the right, the right stuff release at the time. Angela, for her part, has said she was really happy with the quality of the right stuff release, and she would be on the fence over it at best. She's not so sure. Hmm. And that's about right, because Right Stuff, like, when they were doing those, they were doing it really high quality. You had the boxes and all that. Some of them had uh, booklets and that in there. I don't think Rose of Versailles had that, but it was as good as they were going to do. They said they tried to get it, but that the licensor uh, wasn't playing ball. And so they said, well, we're just going to stop negotiations. They let go out of print. And they said, well, I guess Discotech found a way to make a deal happen because they said it wasn't happening with them, unfortunately. But I think they mentioned that it's not going to have, like, they won't be able to maybe do commentaries or put all those extras, but it's going to be basically a prestige release and stuff like that because the licensor is very finicky with how they want it handled because it's a prestige uh, title for them. So there's plenty of reason to keep your right stuff copies, actually. Yeah, but I'm sure we'll get a great uh, release and it'll be great video quality and great sound and all that stuff, but it'll be probably more bare extras, but we'll have a great looking release, probably as good as it's going to look. Mm -hmm. So there's an argument to say if you are a huge fan of Rose of Versailles, you probably would keep both. Yeah, like you yeah if Ryoko Ikeda has anything to say about it, it'll, it'll be a good release. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, it's, it's crazy because it took so long just to get over here for those DVDs. And so it's amazing that this has come back. It's amazing so we're finally got the manga coming out now and stuff like that. Hopefully it finishes, but we'll see how that goes too. I bet you, I bet you she's like, man, my my she, castle full of money is uh, not as green as it used to be. I got to fill it up some more. Let's finally let 
the small oh, right, right. labs in North America have their release. As in, are you saying as in uh, as in Akita? The yeah, the author. Yeah, <laughs> I've cock teased them long enough. I'll let Sorry? them have the. It's like I've cock teased them long enough. Oh, boy. I'll let them have the release. Well, those are the two titles that uh, stuck out to me most in the discotheque announcements. Is there anything else we want to mention concerning the presentation? They're still on the search, and they've done some great stuff finding Lost Doves in that they said they found the masters that were appropriate for Metabot, so that made a lot of people happy for that series. I think that was the third season for the English dub. And they said now they're on the hunt again because Ninja Robots, supposedly, they need to find the dub for that. They said they know that some people that were involved with the dub, so they said they were going to put out a thing on Twitter to find them. They also said they might have to look at Toonami India because they know it. the dub, the English dub, was um, broadcast there. Because originally, I guess, it was supposed to be on uh, Cartoon Network here in the late 90s for uh, the U.S. and that. But when they went to, um, I guess it was Paramount, he said CBS or Paramount, Justin Zavica said he went there in height of pandemic, I guess it must have been March or beginning of April, and he said, they said, oh, they have the English dub or the English language tapes, all that, right in there. And so he went fully masked and I guess getting all the stuff back to his place. And then he said, all I have is an opening and an ending, I believe, in English. The rest of it was in <laughs> Japanese. <laughs> But so basically, like, basically they're they're giving a, a, a diary updates on their present stuff they're working on. Too. But yeah, as Mike Cholnat said, it's like a lot of them came on board uh, for the discotheque bosses and stuff like that because they just want to make that criterion, that fan made release, just like they would want to see and stuff like that. And they go the extra mile to find all these dubs and find all these weird things they talked about. The two uh, Tezuka movies they're going to release in October and November, and that's 1001 Nights and Cleopatra, and those are looking really good and stuff like that, and they're actually, the one thing I'm looking forward to for both of those, Helen McCarthy is going to do a commentary on both of them, and I'd love to hear what oh, she yeah. has to say on those mm -hmm. two. Really interesting, because she is quite the historian, to say the least. Yeah, She's I know. Great. And She's I don't think... Writer. I'm trying to think if there has, she's ever done a commentary because I haven't really, uh, like I've heard many others, but I haven't heard her do one. But maybe she has done one. I just haven't seen it yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm but, sure we can ask her about it uh, at some point. Yeah, she comes back to uh, Anime North, which would be fantastic, of course. Uh, like yeah. They could have even got Fred. Fred would have been an interesting fellow uh, to have talk about that too, of course. So. Actually, we'll come back to Fred Shot in a bit. He did announce he has a new book coming out today. Hmm. Oh, that's interesting. So I will find. I, I have to find the entry for it. I'll uh, I'll give you guys the link to that as soon as I find out. Okay, as soon as I refind it. But he did mention that on his Facebook today that he is releasing a new book. It's. An, I don't think it's a. It doesn't sound like it's manga related, but it still might be. You know, it's Fred Shot. Probably still worth a, a look. Okay. Anything else? There's the, they had many things like I, it's like they're it, no they kept on having more like remember at one point basically they had justin going messaging ann or anime news network because they're like oh shoot we thought this was going to be an hour and we're almost at the hour point and they're trying to stop the presses 
and I think they went close to two hours, and they just missed it and stuff like that. So people and were spoiled, and people were joking. And the the and at the end of the panel, they got spoiled from the sounds of it. But, but it's But the thing is, they t- knowing those guys, they take it in stride. Take yeah, the no, it was it was just fun I, stuff that people were having fun with, and yeah, so they were talking. I mean, we are talking with longtime associates of ANN. I mean, Justin Savickas is its founder, after all, and Michael Tool uh, and Mike Tools still contributing. Yeah, still contributing. I, I, I said O'Toole. You can kill me. Okay. <laughs> Um, but they had other things like they were talking about memories again. Supposedly Justin Savakis is doing some English scripting uh, with that. But the interesting thing is they're doing two dub studios uh, for that one, just similar to how the Japanese. There were two animation studios that worked on that. So Navi Post is doing, or NYAV Post is doing Metallic Rose, and Sound uh, Cadence uh, Studios is doing Stink Bomb and Cannon Father to match. Uh, the Japanese uh, animation studios, because one did uh, Magnet Rose and another one did both Stinkbomb and Can Fodder. So that'll be interesting when it comes out in uh, 2021, of course. Emulating, emulating how it was done back then. Yeah, like it's these weird little things that they do and you're just like, wow, or doing the packaging so that it all matches up for Lupin and stuff like that. And you're just thinking oh. to yourself, they're going this extra mile and they don't really have to. And they're putting out so much content. Five releases a month is insane, to say the but least. They're, well, they're leaving it in, you know, the guys doing it are the right guys to be doing it. Yeah. The problem, though, is the distribution is the biggest issue because they've been having issues with that, as they've talked about over the past year, especially their bosses and that. And they've kind of been on the front lines of that, too. And there's not much. They're trying to set up their own warehouse and all that stuff. And they said it's getting better, and so hopefully that's the case because they've had things that if you didn't pre-order, you didn't get it, and there were so few places. It was like either Discotech, sorry, it wasn't Discotech, it was Discotech's eBay store, or it was Right Stuff, or it was Amazon.com, and then Canada. We were out of luck because it used to be we might be able to get Amazon.ca, but that wasn't the case. I know many people from up north were asking about what about Canadian distribution, and they said, well, the bosses know, but... They're trying to sort out their shit down south first before they figure out to up here, hopefully. Import. Mm-hmm. <laughs> get, but, get those right calculators ready. Okay. Yeah, no, it's, it, it works out all right if you go through, right? So the problem is you either have to know friends or whatever because you want the free shipping too, right? So that's how it goes. Yep. And we, well, we, we just snowball ours. That's, that's what we've done in the past. But they've, uh, they were announcing other things. Like I was, they were going through those questions. I'm amazed they were able to do it because there was like over a thousand people on that Twitch stream. A lot of people were asking questions once they got to the question portion, because as they said, usually we run out of time, but now time is no object. So they had a lot of things that they tried to get. Like I asked my question twice and I was lucky that the second time Justin Savakis happened to see it and he answered it was in regards to uh, Therme uh, Roman. Hmm. the um, Roman uh, bath anime and manga. And that one, they announced it at the Otakon uh, the previous year, saying it was getting a Blu-ray release new dub. And the dub has since been put on Crunchyroll by them, but they mm-hmm. haven't said anything about the Blu-ray. So they said, oh, we could have put that on our slideshow to make it even longer. Because they mm-hmm. said, yeah, that'll hopefully be uh, Q1 2021, saying that they were putting all these 
extras and different things into the product. So it's like, wow. We also uh, asked about whether or not uh, we, whether or not they want to uh, have any Canadian distribution and they want to, but it's, it's going to be a while before that happens. Cause they're trying to sort it. They're trying to sort that out at home first. Yeah. yeah. That's what I mentioned, but mm -hmm. yeah, it's, yeah, Hopefully it like, works. Well, it works out, but we'll see how it goes because it sounds like. Remember, they are a small company, a bare bones company, and they're as we said, they're doing like they didn't used to do five Blu-rays or a month, and now they're doing that. But some of those Blu-rays aren't just a simple movie or a simple special or a twelve-episode series. Some of them are like seventy episodes or a ridiculous amount of episodes, right, on an SD Blu-ray, and that yeah. takes a lot of work. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, as I said, well, there's like that's ongoing. I'm sure we'll talk about it again in some form. With this, but I think we know what uh, some of us were excited about. Of course, I'm sure Kevin and me made mentions like Rosa Versailles. Like Epo is one that a lot of us are excited for, and hopefully they get the sequels and stuff like that. I miss people were happy for announcements live too. I miss those. Okay. I only but, like heard later on, like people were just mentioning in the chat. I was like, damn. Actually, we, we should put a link. There is a there is the they archived the uh, Twitch stream, right? They I don't know. I do not know on that point. So unfortunately, we do not know. You'd ha you'd have to go to Twitch and double check, but I'm not sure if they were able to archive it or not. Okay. But it was interesting because that kicked off because they never had a Twitch account before. And that kind of kicked off their Twitch account in the last few days. They've actually had a few days where they were showing some old anime. They were showing like the first episode of City Hunter or some live action stuff. And so it was interesting seeing those pop up. That all said, maybe we should put up a link to their Twitch anyway. We could talk all night about discotech just for reference. But... We, there is a few other things we want to get to before the end of the night. Are we going to allow Mo to speak? Because I feel he needs to speak. I know, man. Like, when's my turn? <laughs> <laughs> break. When we return, Mo will talk about his totally awesome TIFF adventure to this point. And then we'll talk about video games because there's a lot on that front, too. That's when we return. It's the Anime Roundtable on the Six Talk Podcast Network. And the podcast now continues. Nicholas, Austin, Ng, and Shamarki back in conversation with you. Actually, let's bring Mohammed fully into the conversation. He has next. Let's Alisa, In terms of what we're going to talk about. Last week, we mentioned during the digest that the Toronto International Film Festival was on again for this year. Of course, in a different form in the times we live in. And we've mentioned Mo is a regular at it. And now, at this point, we are nearing the end of the festival. That'll be tomorrow on the 19th. So Mo's had a chance to enjoy a good chunk of it. And want to hear his thoughts about how TIFF went this year for him. First of all, Mo... Uh, 
you did mention make one recommendation or, or a movie that you want to see a Japanese movie under the open sky was there I don't know if we, where do you want to start do you want to start with that movie and it's uh, whichever mo- whichever form you ended up watching it or do you want to talk about the experience in general so I mean you know the experience in general was interesting I, I did I did watch it digitally I didn't get a chance to go to any of the in-person screenings they did have some drive-through stuff but I never had a chance to do that stuff it's kind of weird, man. It's like there's not that many films. Nothing really struck out as like I have to see this or wow, this is cool and interesting. I mean, the thing that made the festival so like incredible was was that aspect of like seeing random screenings with a whole full crowd of people, right? And like <laughs> watching something like VOD style at home just doesn't doesn't hit the same, man. Doesn't hit the same. But uh, but, this, but this movie uh, under the open sky was pretty cool. Uh, you know, Axiaxa dude. Uh, the story was kind of formulaic, but you know, performance was great. Looking at this, middle aged Axiaxa played by Koji Yakusho. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And uh, the cast is refer uh, the cast is listed as Yakusho and Taiga Nakano. I mean. It's a poignant drama. That's what's referred to. Poignant redemption drama. I'm just reading this. Uh, reading just the quick overview of this. I mean, I can't. Uh, as much as I joke around about playing. The Yakuza video game, which I'll bring up a little bit later on. I can't say I've seen too many movies in the genre. And yeah, I mean, honestly, I think before this, the only other Yakuza quasi-related movie that I saw was like Black Rain from the 80s. That kind of had Yakuza stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, the closest I may have came in recent year or at any point uh, be Takeshi. Takeshi Kitano. Oh, he yeah. Did, he did a movie called Kikujiro, which was just, which was more of a lighthearted or comedy drama. And he played a character who can't, would have come across as somebody who would have been in that world. Just the just the way he acts and some of the irrational ways he picks conflicts and stuff. But that's about it. And obviously, obviously, B. Takeshi is a legend in the genre and a legend in Japanese film, generally speaking. Oh yeah, his stuff his stuff's great, and his stuff is great. And funny enough, he makes an appearance in Yakuza Six. Too. But that's the closest I've come. So I can't say I'm familiar, too familiar with the genre itself. That's what grabbed my attention. I, going back to just the online experience, though, Mo, did it feel a little hollow at points? Because I think a big point of TIFF is all the stargazing and oh. the chasing around and just, just the whole atmosphere of the areas wherever they're showing films. You hit it nailed right on the head, man. It's it's just so, it's different. It's so different. I mean, it, it, it'd be one thing if it was like, I don't know, like a group viewing, like a stream watch party type situation where we're all watching it simultaneously type situation. But no, it's just a random VOD link. You can watch anytime. It's a 24-hour rental period, so you can watch it as many times as you want. Well, not as many times as you want, but you can watch it within that 24-hour period. They put this weird cap on it too, which 
I mean, I don't understand why. There was this one movie I did want to see. There's like a high school drama called Shiva Baby. And it was sold out. And I'm like, it's a digital screening. How is it sold out? And they're like, no, no, no. We have to maintain a certain number of exclusivity with tickets and so forth. And I'm like, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. So is this like the virtual cinema type feel? Then? Oh, yeah. Like, it's so weird. Like, And the other thing is, how is price? Because we've heard about pricing, too. It's not that bad. It's it's like uh, nineteen for most of them. Some of the other ones are twenty six. It's it's reasonable. I mean, it's not unreasonable, but for like a first time viewing of a movie, it's it's standard VOD pricing basically. Yeah, because it, they call it virtual cinema, but it's like pay per view VOD. Because I was looking at the new Maiden, the Abyss, Dawn of um, Darkness movie, or sorry, Dawn of the Deep Soul movie, and it's just started uh, today for virtual cinema, and it looks to be nineteen ninety nine US, and people are saying, Whoa. "Wow, that's high." That's kind of high. People, but some people are like, "No, that's normal," and then they start bringing out Mulan and stuff like that, saying that's even higher. No, people are already used to this. People are already used to that pricing. Oh God! I, I was uh, I, my line was at least it's not Mulan. It's not Mulanish. <laughs> it's not Mulanish. But I guess what they're saying is, if it's a newer movie and stuff like that, you're going to be paying a lot higher than you would expect to if you're sitting in person in a cinema and stuff like that, or in probably a car. Well, drive-through. I, my line is, well, make sure you're watching it with someone. Make it worth it, I guess. Oh, yeah. something... it's, it's, it's a group affair. If I'm going to get and it, you're going to get it. The only way I would go pay so that kind of price doing... thing is like, if invite, I had someone willing to split the cost because... Oh. Uh, invite, invite a few people. Watch it in a group. The, which, going back to the, the cap thing, Mo, I mean, yeah, I, I guess I'd have an issue with that too. They want, like... I think you can only really make an argument for capping like that if there was a degree of interaction among the goers. Which, exactly. I mean, that I can understand. It was some kind of, like, group watch or something. But, I mean... For- a watch party. That's the word I was looking for. A watch party. <laughs> yeah. Or have some of the crew there, the director, like they normally would. But how were they doing for the platform then, Mo? Was it uh, because I know some of the festivals were going to different platforms basically to show the movies or to give a certain experience? You know what I mean? So I will give them a shout out for that. They they partnered up with this Australian company called uh, Ship Seventy Two, and they built this custom online portal from the ground up. They have a whole bunch of crazy like anti piracy stuff. <laughs> I I remember at one point I, I tried opening up OBS to try a screen record, and like the whole screen was just black and wouldn't let it like record. It was it was it was cool. Uh, they they put your name and your uh, the date that you pushed it uh, like every fifty minutes or so throughout, so that if you do try to pirate it, your your shit will be blown up. But yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh, like the platform itself. Smooth, no hiccups, which I, I guess like that's the other reason I could kind of understand them putting a cap on it. If they didn't put a cap on it and they didn't put like a geo locking on it as well to like limit it to North America, and they just said, Hey, everyone in the world, come and watch these movies, I, the system would be like so bombarded with users, I don't think it'd be usable. Well, how many movies have you watched? Uh, just the one. I, I was gonna see a couple other ones, like. Uh, Concrete Cobble was pretty cool. Uh, the new Spike Lee joint was pretty cool. But, like, they hardly really seem like I needed to watch them kind of movies. They were like, 
boobs that can wait for a later on kind of situation. So there, not much at all. Exactly. No, normally, I mean, when I normally go to tip, I usually buy like a block of tickets because it's cheaper to buy the block than to buy individually. And now I watch a whole bunch of movies, have a good time. But now it's like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I did the one. It was okay. I'm going to keep moving on. How many was there, how many movies again did we have this year? Uh, 50. So your options were very limited too. The, the, last year was 330. Right? Like, so, I mean, we mentioned the numbers, so I want to mention the numbers again. Just, it doesn't seem, yeah, it's, there's all, like, looking at the list, there's a list. Mm. It's just, yeah, it's just the numbers aren't as high. No, and, and I guess because of that, the like, you know, the old phrase, the pickings are slim. So that was the only movie you saw. Yep. Under the Open Sky was the only movie you saw. And I saw. As I said, that, that sound, it looks interesting. What were the venues? It's a, because uh, reading the show times, there were three show times. First showing, t- uh, Lightbox. Right. So, so Lightbox. Lightbox was the only like in-house physical theater. And actually, there was a bit of controversy about that, too. So most theaters now, you, can, you have to wear a mask until you're like in the theater. And then you have to keep wearing the mask. But then if you're eating popcorn and stuff, you don't have to wear the mask. It's a stupid policy, but Tip was all like, nah, yo, no concessions, no food. You're watching this movie with your mask on the entire time. There's no getting up for washes and stuff. You're just going to power through this movie. <laughs> the, the rules are pretty strict. Yeah, so basically, you know, you know, if you have to go, go before the movie. Exactly, exactly. And, and, and well, at least, you know, if with no snacks, uh, there's almost no chance you'd have to go. Oh, absolutely. And, and like, that, that was the whole thing, because it was like, how can you have concessions and people wear masks? How are they going to eat the concessions with masks? You, you, get, you get it, you get it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the last venue, the movie, uh, Under the Open Sky, its last showing was actually last night at the RBC Lakeside Drive-In at Ontario Place. Basically, yeah, Ontario Place. I'm just trying to visualize where exactly where at on the Ontario Place grounds that would have been. I, I was going to say, it's the parking lot, because I've actually been there. It's the same one they use for the Raptors. And like, yeah, the we, OLG, what do exactly. you call it? Which I have caught a glimpse of at times. It's, it's pretty nice. It's pretty nice. So uh, they were trying. And those were the only real venues, weren't oh, they? Oh, yeah. Like the, like, just light box, like physically light box in the drive-in. That's it. That it? Those were the only two venues? I will say they had um, Steph Curry and his wife were in town and they saw one of the drive-in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. That had been, that had been, um, mentioned on social media and people are wondering how the hell did Steph Curry get into the country, but he's <laughs> Canadian? Yeah, he's Canadian, which even then, I mean, how did they get into the country? Huh? Yeah. You know, uh, right? I mean... <laughs> people are wondering, like, how do you, how do you jump the line? How do you get in? Well, how do you jump the line? You're not an essential worker. How did you get through? Because I'm a celebrity, damn it. <laughs> well, that's, I think, the scenario. Well, the I'm problem... I'm an athlete. Yeah, that, well, that 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 helps, I guess. Good to be famous. Oh yeah. Okay, so you're not going to see anything else at the. I'm 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 curious to see who wins best, the People's Choice. I'm curious about who wins anything this year. I mean, I don't think anything's going to be released. We're in September. Uh, everything's in wave two now, so theaters are going to shut down soon, and there's going to be no movies released. Everything that will be released is being pushed back. Um, yeah. What- 
Yeah, just to update things uh, in terms of COVID here in Ontario, just since you brought it up, yesterday the province announced a, a pullback in terms of number of people allowed in a bubble. And this is more for private citizens. Any indoor gatherings, social, personal gatherings have been reduced all the way to 10, I think down from something, I forgot. But and and 25 outdoors. So there's been a few restrictions because there's been a spike in cases here in Ontario, mainly in the GTA and Ottawa regions, or in the Toronto regions and the Ottawa regions. Yeah, Ottawa, Ottawa hit pretty hard. Mm-hmm. So uh, We'll see how it goes. Hopefully uh, <laughs> it'll continue, but who knows? It's like some people are the over-under on some movies that decide to lay. I know a lot of people were looking forward to the new Bond movie, right? And it had that weird April release. Then it's like, well, can't do that, so we'll go to traditional November. And I don't think traditional November is going to happen either. I, I, I agree, too. I don't think November is going to happen. I know that Black Widow was supposed to happen in November, got pushed to December. Um, December, I, I don't know, man. If, if I'm a studio of any kind, I'm pushing all my stuff to, like, summer 2022. Or do you do a virtual release? I was saying, we were looking, like... I think the rest of 2020 is a write-off. Oh, 100%. 100%. So, we're, so we're, we can start talking in 2021. I'm not going to say exactly when we can start talking in 2021, but we're, that's where, that, I think that's where the earliest we can start talking. I, I'm also just curious about awards and so forth. Like, like if no movies are released this year, who's going to win Best Picture? Well, all the old curmudgeons are going to be angry because they're going to have to go to all the ones produced by the streaming services because they're the only ones that were able to get the content out for people to see. It's, hey. like, it's, like, it's like Netflix knew there was going to be a pandemic at some point, so <laughs> invested heavily in streaming. You're just going to see Steven Sh- Spielberg shaking his head saying, what has become of the Oscars? <laughs> I, think, I think a lot of people have said that anyway. Uh, that's pretty much it for Tiff. Kevin, do you, is there anything you want to add, though? Uh, well, nothing in particular. I I didn't really feel compelled to really do much of anything with Tiff this year, just because for me, I I do prefer the physical experience, and I didn't want to risk it. I just didn't. I didn't actually so much that I just didn't even bother looking at the list because there. I, I know there was like yeah, there was a couple movies, and in spite of them being foreign, because that's why I would go to TIFF. I would go watch foreign cinema. I just thought I'm like, man, I'm I'm good. Didn't just didn't feel up for it. TIFF doesn't need my money. Well, I guess they do need my money, but they have other ways to get money. <laughs> No, they, they definitely need our money, bro. I know. That's why I, that's, that's why I phrased it the way I, that I did. I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess they do kind of need my money. But I just didn't feel as compelled to. I'd rather, I'd rather support the, the Japanese Canadian Cultural Center instead. And because uh, they're, cause, like we alluded to uh, during the Digest, the, the Toronto Japanese Film Festival is starting up uh, this October. It's October 3rd to 22nd, and they're going online only as well. 
and their tickets are fairly affordable from the looks of it. Okay. Yeah, and uh, and they're actually playing one of the newer Detective Conan movies too. Oh, so a little anime flavor yeah. this time around. Yeah. Well, as I said, it's uh, un- uh, it would be nice if Wotokoi appears on the schedule because I would be all in for that. Yeah, I would have been all in for that too. So, but we'll. There's another thing to look forward to. We did put the links in the last episodes, I think. Uh, why not? We'll put it in again. All right, let's move on. Well, let's talk a couple video games uh, on the various systems. We're near the dawn of the PS5 generation, but also rather quietly this week, another key generation ended. Word came down this week that Nintendo has finally stopped production of any form of the Nintendo 3DS. And with it is the end of uh, a key era, the era of the totally handheld video game console. And what an era it was. But, so uh, there's your moment of reflection there. Um, don't, I don't know if they in the other regions it's like it more sounded japan specific but it is basically yeah. done when they did uh kirby the one kirby game uh basically a year and a bit ago because they tried a few games after the switch and it, even they couldn't sell their titles like the mario luigi game the kirby game the last hurrah i think was uh the persona q2 from atlas that was, I think, last year, June of 2019, I believe, or 2018. I get it wrong, but mm-hmm. it was one of the last ones. But I think they got the sales because the hardcore Atlas and Persona fans probably came out to buy copies of that. Well, I mean, as I said, we're talking the end of the production of the hardware. We knew the and writing it, was uh, on the wall. It, it went longer than a lot of people thought because they were dead in the water at the beginning before they did the price drop. And then they said, here's Zelda Ocarina of Time. And then, bam, one game after the other. Mario Kart, Mario 3D Land. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm, yeah you're having me like, thinking about the history of the system. We're talking, what was it, spring of 2011, was it? Correct, in around yes. their March. And then, so, so of, of the incumbent consoles, and uh, up until this week, the 3DS was the longest serving. Mm-hmm. And they said of the family of consoles, as of June 30th, with their um, business uh, financials, they've sold at least 75.87 million of the DS family consoles, which is original DS, DS XL, New 3DS, New 3DS Excel, the 2DS uh, variants and stuff like that as well. So. Mm-hmm. But, but that's pretty think... good considering people thought they were done for. So, But what, didn't they say that the Switch was going to catch up in those type of numbers fairly soon? I think I remember reading that. In Correct. It's, yeah. it's very close to that number. They're probably, they might have already surpassed it, but they'll definitely surpass it once the Christmas holiday Q4 season. But they're working their way very quickly towards that 100 million mark. They won't hit Mm -hmm. it probably next. They might hit it next year. It all depends on how things go. Maybe not, but they're definitely on track with those Wii-like numbers or PS2-like numbers or even PS4-like numbers we're seeing now. And PS4 is still going strong. 
And it's, it is hot on the heels of Nintendo announcing that they will update the Switch hardware in the near future. So, Well, I don't know how... Is it an update like, or just people... ramp up production? Go ahead, sorry. I guess from what we're hearing is those were the rumblings we're hearing from Bloomberg and a few other things. But at the moment, there are still rumors until Nintendo says, yeah, we're going to do something like the PS4 Pro or something like that, where it's like a mid-term revision and stuff like that. And they've done okay. it before with the new 3DS. But we'll see what happens. And some of that is because how are you going to port some of those uh, games from the PS5 and the Xbox Series X possibly to the Switch? Like, you can only downgrade so much, and they want to do some stuff with 4K probably, as they said. Well, okay. you need to do it for some games for but... PS4 and Xbox to switch but we'll see okay sorry go ahead kevin truth be told if my console is still doing so well in sales why do i need to refresh the system well as you say like it's to prevent stagnation stuff like that because they got that extra bump from the uh, switch light or whatever and that one's just a handheld only version and so there are some people that price said i just want a handheld version i don't need handheld and the and the dock version, you know what I mean. And they so, uh, they made some slight upgrades to the original Switch, so they improved the battery life and whatnot. Yeah, that one I felt was like a stealth release. You know what I mean? Because it's kind of like, oh, it's just a different version number, whatever. And but it's not one of those ones. I said I'm going to go on and buy it. It wasn't a new 3DS, but the yeah. next one probably will be that, and maybe they'll play some beefier games will have that better battery and then we'll see what happens and then of course they've talked about 4k and stuff like that but we'll see it when we believe it maybe there yeah. is a design where we can get 1080p on handheld mode but that's probably not going to happen i don't oh think we'll please see. don't make me wait i just don't want to wait like three years for this thing like i don't <laughs> i like okay because it's not going to happen this season obviously uh even next like hopefully next year but i you just I never think, know i think it is probably going to be next year because covid has kind of affected them of course because all the studios around the world for nintendo all that stuff have been fine but home in kyoto japan they've been having issues trying to get people to work from home and stuff like that like many other japanese uh, corporations so hopefully they're on the right track with that but it sounds like they've held back some stuff and maybe that will be on the refresh like metroid prime 4 maybe they're working with platinum with the bayonetta 3 that we've been hearing about for so long maybe we're hearing gonna hear something about um breath of the wild 2 because zelda's 35th anniversary is coming up so there's many games that can maybe make use of that and be the showcase for people to want to get that version yeah i'm i'm holding out because i always hold up for the refresh so I'm just biding my time, and I have, I have my uh, 2DS XL that I can still play in the meanwhile. Okay, Mo, do you have something to add just quickly? Because I know, like when we talk privately about about this being the end of the dedicated handheld era, you're not totally sure. Sometimes, I mean, I feel like they might come back with some kind of nostalgic re-release of like I don't know. Game Boy Color or something. Like, I feel like this isn't the end. This is, like, just, like, a pause. Something new will come back and take over. Or, or, or Nintendo could just be, like, Switch-centric from now on. Every year we're releasing the Switch 
with some sort of new, you know, mobile version of it, like the the, the handheld only version, but like better year after year. Oh, you think? You think I, I don't do- think they'll ever do that. Like it looks like for the video game industry, you have just that one free uh, refresh mid cycle and stuff like that. And even Sony and Microsoft did that last uh, console generation PS4 and Xbox One. Well, and PS3 went through three iterations as well. Well, uh, at separate points, whereas PS4 went through three iterations, but the latter two came out pr- pretty much at the same time. So. To put a point to Mo, I will say there is going to be a new handheld this year, and it's going to be a new Game & Watch from Nintendo in November, very limited, and it's going to have Super Mario Brothers and Super Mario Brothers Lost Levels on it, along with the clock functionality. So that'll be yeah. interesting if you can get it. I think the scalpers are already salivating. Yeah, I think so too. And I can remember Game & Watch. It very did go up on Amazon. And I believe it sold out within the hour. I think that was a mistake one. And I bet they're going to do it like happened to me with Persona 5 uh, Royal, where they had it up. They probably weren't supposed to. And they're going to cancel it later. And you're like, ah. (laughs) But Amazon is kind of messed up because they never actually have the retail price. It's like this weird price whenever they put up a gaming anymore. They've been doing that price or just a game in general. The Game & Watch, it's a nice nostalgia piece, but it's like along the same lines of the mini retro consoles that were a thing a couple years ago, especially when Nintendo did it. And then PlayStation oh, did a version of those, and and we saw a version for the Genesis and all the others. And that's, that's what the Game & Watch sort of feels like. And, and, and rather quietly, not uh, I'm sure hardcores know that SNK and Neo Geo, they they that came out too in various iterations as well. There's actually a Samurai Samurai Showdown specific version, which looks like a mini mini arcade cabinet. Yeah, they were doing mini arcade cabinets. They have the arcade stick was another one that SNK did. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's funny. Sega did another one where they kind of did a riff on their Astro City arcade cabinet and released that this month in Japan, but hasn't come out anywhere else, unlike what Neo Geo did with their arcade cabinet mini there. Yeah, and, you know, that can be had for probably, give or take, 100 I should double-check the current price on that, although that is sort of an import. But that's sort of where I feel, how I feel about the Game & Watch. I mean, is there a market for something, uh, for a dedicated piece of hardware? I Yes, but I don't think it's that mainstream anymore when it comes to video games. It had uh, you have to make an event out of it and stuff yeah. like that. And they obviously mm-hmm. made an event with uh, Mario's thirty fifth, and that's why the Game and Watch at least makes sense in this case. Well, yeah, just as one of a bunch of products to celebrate the thirty fifth, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I got one of them uh, today, which people have been debating to no end. Oh yes. It, the 3D uh, Mario uh, classics, and so I was just playing some uh, Super Mario 64 on there, and I had my fun. But people are saying, and it's true, it's a very uh, minimal port and stuff like that. They put some love in, but they could have probably done more and stuff like that. And there's no Galaxy 2, and you're paying full repel- retail price. What's the games That's- in the uh, in the set? So Super Mario 64, Super Mario Sunshine, and uh, Super Mario Galaxy. 
the first, the first one. Not so basically, the, yeah, basically the N64, the GameCube, and the, the first Wii. Wii. Yes, and and you're paying your full price. So for us in Canada, that's seventy nine ninety nine, and that kind of stings because we've seen other collections, like for example, the Crash trilogy from Activision. We know how much they love to money grub, but on that one, it was cheaper, and they actually went the full mile to remake a lot of those. Yeah, it was like <laughs> fifty bucks mm-hmm. at retail when it came out. But okay. as we know, people are still going to buy this release, and I bought it. But I still love playing the games. You know what I mean? It'll be fun to play it on the go. Yeah. I'm a sucker, I guess. <laughs> well, for me, it's always... Well, for me, it, I just reflect on the whole handheld system. And remember, I've played some of my PS4 games, or I've just played Yakuza. But I played it on the, on my iPad, just through the, uh, through the PS4 link service, or whatever they call it. But I, I guess... Through. The thing that's more controversial in my mind is they're doing the Disney Vault thing with oh, Nintendo. Uh, yeah, with this uh, 3D All Stars collection. So it started on sale today digitally and physically, but come March 31st, 2021, they're just turning it off. They're not selling anymore, and so that's kind of crazy in a way. Do you and think they'll? Do you think they'll recall any uh, any physical copies that are out there? Send them back. <laughs> I'm not sure. It'll be interesting. No, I don't do think they would. Right. You never sort of, know. Crazy things that, have happened, right? Isn't that sort of the mo for the Disney? The way the Disney Vault would have gone worked in the past. I just feel like, like yes, that's true. I I don't think Nintendo would purposely recall like that. That's not something they've been known to do. Okay, and as a, and you speak on this. So as a former retailer too, uh, who worked in it. I movie. think they would just, yeah, sell them uh, through and stuff like that. Whatever stock they have, they have, and, and that would be it. But the digital then, one, it definitely hurts because once it's gone, it's gone. And even yeah. the special Mario Battle Royale for uh, <laughs> the Nintendo Online members starting on October 1st, it ends on March uh, 31st as well. Okay. So it, it's just, boom, it's gone. And so mm-hmm. it talks about that thing of video game preservation and stuff like that it's like if it's just online and electronic and then it's gone it's like there's nothing there's no mm. memory there's nothing okay and who knows well nintendo's going to preserve it but not all companies preserve it like nintendo you know what i mean well preservation is a thing i mean we sort of hinted at it in the discotech talk that the uh, guys there they have to do their hunting for supplemental material so you know, the preservation thing, I, I put a lot of stock in, is a thing for me. Okay, so we're talking the end of a video game era and a generation. And let's go back to the dawn of the next one. PlayStation 5. PS5 had a showcase this week where they previewed some of the services and games that will come out in pretty quickly for when the PS5 launches in November. They actually announced a release date. I forgot the exact release date. They announced price points. Actually, I have them uh, here, Mike. So the release date for us in the US, Japan, Canada, Mexico, Australia, New Zealand, and South Korea is November 12th. And then for the rest of the world, it's November 19th. But then they said China is still under exploration. So Okay. And the price and points and the regular editions. So. Yes, the, the digital version starts at 
four ninety nine uh, American and five five nine or wait sorry no, three ninety nine yes three ninety nine for digital four, yeah four ninety nine ninety nine here in Canada at a hundred dollars for the American for the op uh, the Blu ray version. No, the, yeah, yeah, you're right. Four ninety nine ninety nine, but then it's more expensive for Canada. Six twenty nine ninety nine. Yes, and but it could have been worse, I guess, with uh, conversion. For that's the, the other thing, right? That's the other thing. And then pre-orders happened, and apparently they're all gone already. Yeah, it was a shit show. Like basically, they and even Microsoft took a dig, but who knows? Maybe the bots will go after Microsoft because Microsoft said. This is the date, and all the retailers said okay. Basically, they said at the end of the presentation, I guess through their social media or whatever, it's like, oh, they're going to start tomorrow. And I guess for tomorrow, for all retailers, meant we're going to do it right after the presentation. So people were scrambling. Oh, yeah. So there was and some it's mix crazy ups. because we're in the middle of a pandemic. These are extremely expensive. And you're thinking, wow, that happened. But I guess we should have predicted it. Scalpers are salivating. On this too, I'm sure. Yeah, usually that happens when a counter comes out. Yeah. Well, what was it? The last one people were looking at today, at least in Canada, was Shoppers Drug Mart did some sort of online pre-order thing for the PS5, um, basically at 6 p.m. Eastern uh, today. But I'm not sure how that works because I didn't even realize you could buy stuff online from them. People well, were I mean, having issues checking out, and as of Two or three hours ago, they were still having issues checking out. Okay, well, and people breaking forget. websites. That's what it's. It's weird uh, how Shoppers Drug Mart ends up being uh, at least in the in the on the radar when it comes to selling video games. Well, on the West Coast, it's uh, London well, Drugs, I believe. Yeah, in the West Coast, it's London Drugs. So, Staples has like... too. Yeah, you wouldn't think Staples would have video games and consoles. Well, everyone covers their bases, right? So Yeah, everyone's trying to. Well, okay, so going to the presentation itself, which was a like a 45, 47-minute presentation, I saw it earlier today, actually just before we met up to start doing this taping. So around the table, is there one thing that sticks out from that presentation? A game, a service, the prices, a teaser? Is there anything that kind of stuck out to any of you guys, if you guys saw that? Or at least from the list of titles. So that PS5 with the disk drive is going to cost us 700 bucks all in in Ontario. Well, when you add the taxes, sure. Yeah. But how are you going to watch your anime uh, Ultra Blu-rays, Kevin? How are you going to watch Weathering With You in 4K once you get it in November? That you're assuming that I'm going to buy Weathering with you, James. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying you're not going to buy that collector's edition? Okay, I well, I may not. I haven't decided yet. Okay. So I guess interesting enough thinking about Mike is you watching. You were watching it uh, more solo, but I was on a video game uh, Discord I frequent, and uh, we always watch the Nintendo Directs and we watch these Sony events and stuff like that and E3 all together. So it feels like that communal event. So that's kind of where... Kind of like watching in a movie. Kind of like watching in a movie theater, right, Mo? (laughs) 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 At least we were safely distanced. 
and we're all across the world. But 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 you could have shared. But you could have shared the reactions to share. You know what others were thinking. So okay, now that you brought it up, was there something that stuck out to that Discord? Oh, I think Final Fantasy was a big one that stuck out to people, and we were like, like, wait, is this? And it's like, oh, this is a new Final Fantasy, and it's like we saw blood and everything. It was like, oh, this is going to be M rated, and then we saw the usual suspects. Everyone was hyped for Spider Man. People were hyped for Resident Evil uh, Village or whatever we're going to call that. And then, uh, of course, it was the price point uh, and the date that at the end and stuff like that. But of course. Many of us were probably not going to buy that console. We're going to wait it out because like most launches, right? There's only going to be so many games and stuff like that. The one mm -hmm. thing for some of us, and I know Mike, you're like me, we had the vanilla PS4. So the one thing that would be nice to us is, oh, I can get that PS5 and play all my library of PS4 games on there and I'll get better performance and I'll get PS4 Pro like performance and stuff like that that I wasn't able to get before because some of the later games that they've been re releasing recently have been really pushing the vanilla PS4 really hard. Like if you wanted the full frame rate and no drops and all that other stuff, you needed the Pro for certain games. Really? Oh. Mm -hmm. yeah. But the interesting thing, there have been articles, I know Jim Ryan, the CEO of Sony Interactive Entertainment, it's funny how they mention this, but... For the PS4 games, backwards compatibility with PS5, the number is 99%. And they said they've been testing them all, but it just makes me wonder what that 1% is. Oh, watch it be a Yakuza game. <laughs> watch it no, be a Yakuza I think it'll be okay. But the funnier thing about <laughs> all those articles and people we're talking about is quote-unquote this, I feel it's fake, but all this disappointment that, oh, we can't play PS1 or PS2 or PS3 games on my PlayStation 5. And I'm like, that was never in the cards. The only thing they were ever going to do was probably going to be PS4 and stuff like that. Because that yeah, I mean, I'm sure it would be. Yeah, like, I mean, that has, backward compatibility isn't really a thing for them. And no, remember... And, and there's, like, you can make a technological argument. It's not really, like... It's not the architectures were always different for each generation. The PS3 and that's, especially and, as well, because mm -hmm. they did their own thing, right? And it's like, here's our cell, this is us, and all that stuff. And it was like proprietary, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, and then like, they had to do a special thing to get PS2 and PS1 to work with that original PS3 because they took out the backwards compatibility with and later. And then it was uh, gone versions. altogether, and then it comes back to a degree with PS5. I mean, I, I get it. It's and that's a marketing, and that's something the Xboxes can kind of market themselves on. But technologically, it's a little bit more possible with Microsoft. Those are similar architectures, or at least along along similar lines. So, I that that news never shocked me. I didn't like some people. Like, was it really on the table? I never thought it was. I don't think so. Well, no. some gamers are, uh, how do you say, very uh, up in arms over people. that? Well, sure. And look, I get it because I have games from PS2 and PS1. I don't own a working PS2 or PS1 anymore. So, okay, I can respect the frustration. But... <laughs> 
really, I really, I'm not, I'm not too upset. Well, there are other yeah, things. But, that once I'll again, do. I can speak, speak for myself. Go ahead. Sorry. Sorry, James. Oh, sorry about that. Mike. It's like I say, there are other interesting things people have been looking further at. Like, of course, we're looking at how you're going to be saving your games and stuff like that. And one of the big things this generation is they're going to be using, using SDDs and stuff like that. And for Microsoft, it's going to be proprietary. So that I have a bad feeling those are going to be more expensive. It's going to be like the Vita with proprietary memory cards all over again, I think, for them. But who knows? Mm. Maybe I'm wrong. So there'll but, be a lot. Oh, so once again, there's give and take. This is where I would insert me wrenching off the... Hold on. Sorry, go James first and then Kevin second. Sorry, I was saying, just for Sony, they're actually doing the opposite, ironically, is that you will have an extra slot to pour more SDD space or uh, memory space in there. And they said there will be off-the-shelf solutions, but they haven't said which ones are going to be compatible. Kevin? Oh, I was just... I'm thankful for that because when I think of the Vita, I just wretch. The fact that they wanted us to pay how much money for proprietary memory cards? Ugh. Yeah, that's a, that's an issue. But it'll be interesting to see because it was funny because we said, oh, we had this much memory. And I remember when we started PS4 and Xbox One, we're like, oh, 500 sounds like a lot. But then you actually needed to put your games that you got on disc that onto the actual memory. So it just gobbled it up so quickly and stuff like yeah. that. Okay. So it'll be interesting to see what happens this generation, especially since they're souping up all the games and that. But then mm-hmm. the question is, if you want to get that full experience, it's like, are we going to have to get a new TV and all that stuff? And there have been questions about Sony's 4K TVs and stuff that they were providing and that some of them don't exactly take full advantage of the PS5, ironically, for all its features, for like 4K or for, I forget all the visual uh, things, but. Probably a Samsung. <laughs> I, no, there isn't, I, I don't know what else to really add. I actually, uh, of the games, like Final Fantasy kind of goes without saying. They gave a preview of of uh, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. We've known about that for a little while. The one that caught my attention was Deathloop. Felt, felt like a bad, it felt like a Quentin Tarantino type thing to me. Yeah, but, it's been shown before, but yeah, it's very it was intriguing, intriguing, isn't it? That was an intriguing one. And I guess uh, just to end this this part off before, and then we'll start to consider winding it down. They ha- put a note for PlayStation Plus, James. So yeah, PlayStation Plus, obviously you get it. And for your membership, you can play online, stuff like that. But they also give you free games uh, every month, basically. And so at the moment, they're giving you two uh, PS4 games uh, every month that you can... Uh, will get for free if you decide to take advantage of it during that month. But for PS5, obviously, they're not going to do free games. So what they've done is they've done like a PS Plus collection. So if you're a member, you can go and download these PS4 games for free on your PS5. And they've announced some heavy hitters. And some people said, oh, I already own those games. But probably not everyone does for some of them. And it's a good selection. Yeah, yeah, like you have Bloodborne, you have Monster Hunter World, Final Fantasy XV, Last Guardian, Persona 5, Resident Evil 7. So there's some great stuff in there. Uncharted 4, Son, Infamous Second Son. Yep, and then Those a lot of them list. too also have um, 
that compatibility with the PS4 Pro. So you'll probably get even more out of it if you had been like me and you, Mike, that were just on the vanilla and stuff like that. And it'll just be something nice to say, okay, I can download and just go through. Now it'll be interesting to see, are they going to have these games go in and out? Is it going to be like the Xbox uh, streaming uh, game service and stuff like that, that they've been uh, building up and stuff like that over the past few years? It'll be interesting Mm -hmm. or their little take on it. So, all right, uh, Kevin, Mo, do you, is there one game or a feature that sticks out to you? Yeah, the new Spider-Man game looks pretty cool. Spider-Man, yes, that looked, that did look interesting. I mean, not cool enough to buy a whole system, but, you know, good enough. Mm-hmm. Kevin? Uh, I, I probably would want to play Demon Souls. Okay. Yeah, yeah I yeah, definitely that. was the one that I think about and stuff like that, that they're going back to it and it's actually them. Is it Sony themselves that are releasing it? Mm-hmm. Because they didn't actually release the original one because they're like, oh, this isn't going to sell. And then Atlas picked it up and it just blew up. And so that was a big oof, I remember for them. <laughs> okay. Well, but, as I said, we'll like, there isn't much else to add. Well, well, it's ahead, interesting, to too, up. because we're going to be paying more for games, too, because remember, it's going to be sixty nine ninety nine American for some of the games now. So we're probably going to be $90 before tax for some of these games. So it'll be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then the other thing. Well, that's where the money's made. People are going to complain, the too, because remember we said Spider-Man, stuff like that. And I think we talked about Sackboy as well earlier off uh, the air that some of those are coming to PS5, but also to PS4, but they never really mentioned that before. And so some people aren't happy about that because they're like, you said you're selling these exclusives just on the PS5, but you really aren't for stuff like Horizon, Spider-Man. <laughs> well, well sure. hey, like, hey, in the past, that's how much games costed back then. <laughs> yes, it would have. Even in the cartridge days. Yeah, we're, we're in we're in the uh, we're in the neighborhood. No, okay. I remember those days at Microplay with uh, was it a hundred and twenty five dollar cartridges uh, before tax and stuff like that. I think that was a Final Fantasy one for us. Anyway. <laughs> retail? That was actual retail. That was an actual retail. That was in probably ninety three, ninety two or ninety four. I remember. Oh. oh. Okay. Before we uh, end tonight, just some uh, updates and thoughts and recommendations. First of all, obligatory Yakuza stuff. I'm on chapter 11 of Kuami. And I'm not bringing up Yakuza necessarily to bring up where I sit in the game right now. There was this interesting thought that came up a couple weeks ago. Uh, There was an article or there's been not necessarily an article and you can't really call this word, but it did make you think just a little bit. Obviously, if you're a big Yakuza fan, you know that there are a couple games set in Samurai Times that have not been released in English in North America. And there's been uh, obviously a constant clamoring to see that done. People think, or there was an, uh, someone made the suggestion that maybe if uh, Sega finally has the time to do it, it's quite possible it'll happen. And there's there's some good reasons for them to want to do it now. And that reason kind of developed because of the success of Ghosts of Tsushima. Very Japanese story about a samurai. 
So there's that suggestion that Sega should do what they could to bring out the Yakuza Ishin games to kind of ride that wave just a little bit. And there's already an audience for it because of the success of the Yakuza series in general. So I thought there's a little bit of merit to wanting it done now because the whole the whole idea ha- has been directly proven, although anecdotally we've sort of known that anyway. Which leads me to the other recommendation. If you were on our Twitter earlier this week, you'll know uh, that I placed a link to a recommended panel discussion that would be happening online that was put on last night by the Japan America Society of Dallas-Fort Worth. It was an online event called Anime Sway, how Japan came to dominate the global pop culture landscape. And it was a panel discussion. And in that panel discussion, Matt Alt, who we bring up quite a bit on this show because James and I have his latest book, Pure Invention, and we're endeavoring to read it. He spoke about some of the aspects. Uh, Renato Rivera Ruska, who is a lecturer at Okayama Prefectural University. Hiroko Yoda, who is, by the way, Matt Alt's wife. She spoke, and she's written a book of books about it. And Eddie uh, Leka, who is the moderator and co-founder, editor-in-chief of OdaQuest. They kind of spoke a little bit about, the, about how Japanese pop culture came to dominate the rest of the world scene. And... Well, uh, well, to the point, basically, you know, uh, uh, the generation that grew up in the 80s on video games back then, they didn't really make it real. Uh, uh, how do you put this? Ba- basically, um, in wanting to learn more, we ended up learning more about the Japanese aspects of it. So as they grew older, that taste was always there, and they wanted that, and they were well-tuned for or a little bit more of seeing that Japanese feel. And they, and in some ways, they kind of t- try to address that. The book, uh, uh, Matt Alt's book, kind of di- uh, addresses it more uh, directly. And the uh, hour-long discussion that we will put a link to in, in the show notes, because the uh, discussion has been archived by the uh, JAS Fort Worth Dallas Society. And... They kind of uh, take on a couple different angles. Admittedly, it's, it was all ra- rather random, but they all kind of said to the same thing. Maybe to put it simply, we can come back to Kenny Omega's words about being an anime fan so early. The popular AEW wrestler kept mentioning, he, while growing up, he was a fan of Dragon Ball and anime and a fan of video games. But he never really knew they were Japanese. And as he found out, he remarked, looking back on his fandom, saying, I was into Japanese stuff before I realized they were Japanese. And I guess that's sort of the crux of this whole web panel. So it's worth a a check in that sense. And for reference, as we mentioned before, Kenny Omega lived in Japan. He was one of the key guys in New Japan Pro Wrestling. He's moved back, obviously. In the process, though, he is quite fluent in Japanese and often cut a lot of his promos 
speaking Japanese every so often. And it really got the crowd going when he did that. But anyway, there's a recommendation to check out that panel discussion, Anime Sway by the Japan America Society of Dallas-Fort Worth. Uh, James, I know you're the one who uh, pointed me to that. So do you have a quick impression before we go this evening? No, I think you pretty much uh, hit the nail on the head with how they were doing it. It was a bit more jumbled, as you said, but it was that trajectory of that we were getting that those ideas that were in anime and manga before we even knew it so that we had that uh, idea of what it was when it finally did hit in the late 90s and then the early 2000s and stuff like that. And that... Oh, yeah, go ahead. Finish your thought, because I wrote notes, and there was one part in all of that that really caught my attention. And I think, uh, obviously, uh, it wasn't just video games. There were other things, because remember, in the late 80s, early 90s, there were a lot of uh, American and Western cartoons that had uh, Japanese studios uh, working on them and stuff like that, that they sent work their way, since it was cheaper to do it that way before they got priced down by uh, Korea in China and Vietnam and stuff like that. Like I remember Gargoyles was done uh, by some Japanese students and so was some other stuff. So you had that visual identity somewhat there to a degree. And then it's like, oh, I remember that or I see that. And you saw that even in video games, even though there was some uh, transliteration or there was changing it to fit Western tastes to a degree, you can't rub it all out, so to speak. Mm Mm-hmm. I will make one, well, first of all, a couple of uh, points that caught my attention now looking back on it because I'm looking through my notes. They went into a bit of a discussion on Cool Japan, but it was more vis-a-vis the effect on the actual pop culture industry and not so much business as a whole, which is worth a, a listen. And then, of course, it may be worth reading up a little bit more on later on. But one other thing that caught my attention was um, Miss Yoda. She went into a long explanation about the term kawaii and how it's loose translation, how it's loose translation, how we come to call it a translation of the word cute. It's a little bit deeper than that. And to hear her explanation of it, I think was fascinating i thought i known this i known this uh there's a little bit more to it but i couldn't really didn't really know how and to me she at least if nothing else put me on the right track to understanding that but uh i won't say much about it now because i think you should see the video but that's my opinion we'll put up the link and uh James, thanks for sending that one to me. Yeah, no problem, of course. Of course, the assignment does is still valid. We are obliged to finish reading Pure Invention. I will say, though, just reading a little bit, and I'm about, I think I, I, I'm, I'm like 30-something pages in. Oh, wait, 40-something pages in. It, it, it will take the history even further back. But a lot of the points were met, a lot of the points are taken, and you can kind of start to see how it starts to evolve even further back when you start reading something like Pure Invention or whatever 
other books are mentioned. Um, I may I may take uh, uh, Hiroko Yoda's uh, book as well, Yokai, at some point as well. But there's our recommendations. As I said, there was a lot packed into this episode tonight, I must say. And there was uh, there's a lot of other things I wish we could talk about. But look at the time. I think we're like a, the better part of two, over, um, roughly two hours now into this. And that makes this, well, I missed my mark because, uh, you know, I've been, in the pandemic era, I've been trying to avoid two-hour episodes. But Joke and I. I guess it couldn't have been helped tonight. You want to add anything else before we uh, end it off tonight? Yeah, you guys watch Sailor Moon. It's on on uh, Crave now. Actually, yes, and so it came out this week, right? It's it was real this nice. week. It so how how long ago? I'm sorry. It's real nice. Like a few days ago. Real nice. A few days ago, yes. And now people are people in mainstream Canadian media are finding out it's on Crave now. I mean, I saw a tweet by Robin Doolittle, who is famous here in, well, not really famous in Toronto, but she is noted because she was one of the key journalists who uncovered everything that happened to the late Rob Ford in the twilight days of his mayoralship of Toronto. She's a really, really good investigative journalist. She wrote but, a few books about it too, right? Yeah, she wrote a couple books about it. And I think one of them was the basis for a recent movie yes yes it was and she was acting like a fan when she found out like she put up a tweet today acting just like uh, acting a bit uh, a bit like a fangirl about seeing sailor moon on crave <laughs> so i thought that was kind of cute and yes thank you for mentioning that uh, sailor moon did finally show up on crave uh, this week kevin you have one final thought uh well so I've haven't been reading too much lately. Uh, I'm starting to hit the end of prison school. And, oh yes. Uh, I finally got through the part where I had read the scanlations because going through those thirty chapters where I during the athletic festival arc was quite the slog. Uh, <laughs> Like I would struggle to read one or two or three chapters a week, but I'm finally past that point and I was able to read a good chunk in the last few days. So I'm almost at the end and I would, I would still recommend it even though I am not looking forward to the ending <laughs> because on all accounts, it did not end that well. Well, I like best to see it through. Well, best to see it through. I, I, I guess for myself, uh, for myself and just one last thing i know by the time we return or almost certainly by the time we do our next episode i will be finished yakuza kiwami so i'll give a thought on that and probably a good chunk away through uh pure invention as well so we'll i'll share more thoughts at that point and hopefully james would have gotten past the introduction i feel like you went through kiwami a lot faster than zero you probably did yeah i maybe it's a little shorter I, i'll tell you more about it next time okay Okay. All right. And, but I think that's uh, it because we've gone over time. Although we, I guess we should mention our uh, contacts again and play Don Ho Tiny Bubbles. Sure. Uh, once again, if you want to get in contact with us, or if you want to troll us, you know where to contact us. Or if you didn't, 
You can do it by email at animeroundtable anime at gmail.com. Oh, I'm getting them all mixed up already. Twitter, Instagram, at animeroundtable, animeroundtable.com for show notes and the archive. And sooner or later, we'll uh, hang out on Discord. We'll maybe send you a tweet. I prefer you don't troll us, actually. Why not? I'm the one who sees it first, and I protect you from it. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, nobody's uh, really, really. I think we, uh, no one has actually emailed us. Seriously. Just a lot of spam stuff. So uh, I'm not too worried about it. <laughs> but, uh, but if there's an email, I'll let you know, okay, Kevin? Sure. A email of real note, I will let you know. Actually, we did get one, and we'll uh, get uh, uh, we'll talk more about that one in the near future. You know what we really need, Mike? We need a PO box. Oh God! No. <laughs> but, but but imagine what people could possibly send us on in the mail. They could send us copies of Itadate My Santa. Oh boy! <laughs> anyway, I'm gonna take a deep breath and say. That's all we got for this episode. Thanks for listening. Good night from Toronto. Join us again for another edition of the Anime Roundtable.